five in the eye with Michael and Phil. It's news, but is it new? Hello, and welcome to Five in the Eye. To all our new listeners joining us on DAB this week, we're delighted to have you on board. This is the weekly news review show on Colourful Radio, where we look back at five news stories that have caught our eye and, and give them the once over. And sometimes the twice over. They're twice, I like that, they're twice over. I'm Michael O'Hajuri here in London, and this is episode 0271, a twin prime number. And joining Michael this week by Zoom, it's Phil Woodford, revealing that we have a very special guest with us today from Beaconsfield in Buckinghamshire. In his first appearance on The Eye, it's none other than Suki Singh. Hi there, Suki. Hi, Phil. Hi, Michael. Listen, firstly, thanks for inviting me onto Five in the Eye. And uh, what's our top story going to be this week? Well, we're going to be talking about Narendra Modi, the Prime Minister of India. Uh, in a nation with huge possibilities and equally large problems, is he the right man at the helm? Five in the eye. Second story this week? Well, it's the weird collection of people who have gathered recently in cities like London and Berlin to protest against coronavirus restrictions. While most of us, are, while, while most of us try to do the right thing, it seems a noisy minority are against masks, vaccines, and peddle bizarre conspiracy theories. Mm. And for story number three, we're going to be talking about a pig with a neural implant, courtesy of the entrepreneur and futurist eccentric Elon Musk. Maybe soon the porker will be able to join us on the show and contribute some of its own thoughts. <laughs> and for story number four, we will investigate the claims by a Japanese company they are close to making a flying car a reality. Finally this week, do you have a spare 450 quid. If so, you might be interested in a candle at the fancy department store Selfridges. Apparently, it's designed to... Did you write this, Phil? It's designed to smell like the River Thames. <laughs> now, that's one candle that would really get on my wick. And that's this week's Five in the Eye. Five in the Eye. We're going to kick off the show this week with Mahendra Modi. What's going on there? The largest democracy on the planet. They've got this dictator, autocrat, this man really pushing India to very strange places, making some, what seems to me, to me personally, and I'd love to get your opinion on this guy, some dreadful decisions in terms of the future of, of the country. Is it, it, for me, it, the res, his response to um, COVID was one that really touched, touched, is that the right word? I don't know, touch. But he said, right, that lockdown, he gave them four hours notice. And this was in, in, a city, in a city like Bombay, where you had almost millions of people who live outside Bombay, and they had to leave the city within four hours. It was just, you know, well, it happened, but that, that kind of dictatorial, dictatorial response to the pandemic was not good because my abiding image of him is him spraying crowds with dis crowds of, of re literally refugees in his own country with, with, um, with, with, with disinfectants. They said, close your eyes, we're going to spray you. And then, and, then, and then we look at what he's doing to Muslims, or in terms of separating them out, he's building concentration camps. You know, something for me is going wrong in India. Modi is, is setting, you know, with, with, his, with his attitude towards the, Hindu, the, the Hindu people, as opposed to the rest of the nation, 
something's wrong there, guys. So Suki, Phil, well, I'll, 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 I'll go with you, Suki. What, what, what's your take on, on uh, Modi? What's, what's going on there? So I first came to know about Modi back in 2002. And the reason for that was I actually went to an Amnesty International presentation because there were riots in Gujarat, which is a Western state. And Modi happened to be the chief minister of Gujarat at that time. Uh, to balance things out, you know, there were, there were killings on both sides, both on the Hindu side and the Muslim side. But the majority of people who were killed were Muslim. And if you read, it, read any of the reports from Amnesty International um, or, or any other kind of organization, there are two sides of the story. One is that his government, his state government was complicit in that, in, in, in sort of, you know, making sure people, mobs were equipped with information and whatever to go out and kill people. And the other side of the story is that he basically just turned a blind eye. He failed to protect the minority within his state. Now, very quickly, we need to understand where he comes from. He comes from um, a place where he has been a part of what's called RSS, which essentially is a right-wing Hindu, Hindu fundamentalist organization, which wants to make India Hindu only. And that RSS movement has essentially got very strong links with his BJP party. So with that background, we can see why he's done some of the things he's done over the last six years or so. And we can talk about some of the, the things he's enacted in terms of law, etc. But that's a bit of background because mm -hmm. this, this Hindutva uh, ideology basically says that we want a Hindu state. Really? So, but, but, but yeah. I thought the, the basis of India was that it was, a, it was, it was not a, sec, it was a secular state. It is. So he, the constitution is a secular state. So he's turning it into a, a Hindu state. He, I, yeah. So not overtly, but little by little. But no, he's, okay. I mean, so, I, I, I mean, so, I, sorry, I, I, would it be sorry, fair? No, Kashmir, we've got to mention Kashmir. I'm sorry, Phil. Kashmir. Kashmir, for me, was the turning point for me personally. Kashmir had a special place in the constitution. Yeah. Whereas a Muslim state, it was semi-autocratous. Autocracy, autonomous. Autonomous. And now he's sent in the troops. He shut down the internet. He's imprisoned people. You know, th th this this is not this is not democracy in action. This is not what we expect from the world's largest democracy. No, no. But the funny thing is, guys, is a large portion of the population of the Hindu population still love him. They love what he's doing, and you can see that. For example, Phil, Michael, when he came here in 2015. He went to Wembley Stadium yeah, and the Indian diaspora that turned out was 50,000 people and they treated him like a rock star, right? People still love him. And then when he went to Houston in 2019, um, he went to the stadium and he was on stage with uh, Trump, there was about 50, 60,000 people there. So I completely understand that some of his, what he's doing is not right. It's anti-minority, um, it's anti-Muslim. But like in America, there's a whole, whole mm. way the people that support him. I mean, I think it's important, isn't it, to put him in the context of other populist leaders around the world who 
kind of manage somehow to capture a zeitgeist and to play on prejudice and, and, and so on. Now, it just so happens that because of the history and culture of India, this plays itself out in the Hindu nationalism of the BJP within the, the, the context of India. But we could say there's parallels to Trump, obviously. And I would also be thinking of people like Vladimir Putin and Erdogan in, in Turkey, uh, countries where there is a kind of... There's a democratic framework, and obviously India, as Michael said, is the largest democracy um, in the world, and uh, the population still growing, I believe. And, mm. you know, so it's um, an enormous democracy and perhaps more stable than the democracies of the other countries I've just mentioned at the, at the moment, even America in, in grave peril with Trump. Yeah. But there is, there is that sense, isn't there, that there's a semblance of democracy, but uh, in practice, it's a strong man, and that's what people are voting for. Absolutely, Phil. And I think it's in some respects, people expect a strong man because we've got, India's got Pakistan to one side and it's got China to one side. And to be quite frank, they do not want India to exist in its current form. They would love India to be broken up. And so therefore, Indian people have probably longed for a strong man to show them the way. So I'll give you a very sort of simple example. Did you know he was in a Bear Grylls uh, um, documentary? Uh, about a year ago to show his himself as a, as a strong man, as someone who can go out and he can, you know, compete in the wilderness. A bit like Putin, we're taking his top off and riding. Yeah, that exa exa that, that, was, that was exactly my thought there, putting on, you know, with, with his rifle on his back and his, I was there, shooting birds. Exactly. It's the same thing. Mm. I think the electorate in, any, electorate in any country want to see these simple messages and visuals to back up what they've been told. Oh, it's, Phil, it's, Phil, it's, sorry, Phil. Boris on a horse with a gun shooting birds. <laughs> yeah, Bo Boris lacks the basic competence for that kind of shoot, doesn't he, really? I mean, I, um, lacks the competence for the photo shoot, let alone the actual shooting of the... <laughs> but the... the um, I, I, I'm wondering whether you feel, Suki, with, with China, it, it, is Modi biting off more than he can chew? Because there have been more confrontations and skirmishes even in the last week on the disputed border between... India and China and there is no doubt that while India is a formidable military power and you know obviously um, has nuclear capability um, China is a superpower isn't it and, and and surely India can't really afford a confrontation with China at this and, point. and that's exactly what all the commentators have been saying that he can be a strong man to a certain degree um, but essentially, if there was a war, even on the border with China, uh, China would, would has the has the firepower and a, and a kind of up-to-date military that essentially uh, India couldn't stand up against. And a lot of Indians who listen to me now would probably say, no, they could, because it's that chess-beating nationalism thing, you know, a lot of people do it. But China is a superpower, and I don't think India is a superpower just yet. Suki, I, okay, I'm putting you on the spot. It's all pressure on Suki here, sorry, <laughs> but it, 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 it's an interesting subject, fasting. Is India a really a united nation now? Well, look what's happening in Kashmir, looking what they're doing. They're inviting Indians from other territories to come back to India. But if you're Muslim, uh -uh, there's a problem here. Yeah. And then you see these building these, there was building these concentration, with concentration camps. Yeah. At the same time, he's denying it. So you've got people who've been born and bred in India having to prove that they're Indian, even though, but, but the Muslims. So it brings into doubt the Indianness. 
It's true. Um, so it, it kind of reminds me of animal farm, right? To sort of, you know, um, all, 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 all animals are equal, but some animals are more equal than others, right? So, it, you know, you've got to show your Indianness not by the, your deeds, but by your religion now. Yeah. And that is scary because with this, with this amendment, this Citizenship Amendment Act, this uh, a CAA, a law that's coming, as you said, Michael, if you, if you come from a religion that was born out of India, like a Buddhist or a Hindu or a, or a Sikh, and you live at, in the peripheries of India and some of the other countries, you can come um, to India and you'll be fast-tracked. But if you're a Muslim, you can't. Because Muslims are seen as the invaders. Exactly. That's fascinating, that. Because in some ways, we've got... This is a reverse of colonialization now. Yeah. <laughs> like the British in Kenya or Nigeria now somehow become demonized. Absolutely. And, then, so, and you've, got, you've got an example now with, um, in, in uh, Zimbabwe, where actually where they, threw the, they took over the farms from the colonialists, from the white farmers. Yeah. But now they realize, uh-uh, that was not quite the right thing to do. So we've got to give these farms back. So exactly. this kind of colonialist bad, colonialist good, it's, it's, it's complex. I, th I think, I think, Michael, you, you said something uh, to the effects of this some time ago, where we as people should be bringing each other up, right? Instead of scapegoating people and make, making yourself better than them, why not help them, lift them up? And, and that's not what we're doing. Our leaders are not doing that, whether it's in the USA or, yeah. or India. And I think it takes a certain type of person to think like that. And maybe people can't think like that because they have so many other worries in their lives in terms of money, education, poverty. Mm -hmm. And they see a strong man who promises them the earth. Whether he delivers or not, I can't say. Final, final thought, Suki, because we're, we're, we're pressed for time and we've got right. other stories. But one, one uh, component of the geopolitics out there we haven't touched upon is Pakistan. And obviously mm. we've been talking about this um, uh, issue with the Muslim population within India. Um, how is this viewed in Pakistan and what are relations like right at the moment? How would you summarize that? Uh, relations with Pakistan haven't been very good. I think partly because there was a terrorist attack, I think, last year. And then the Indian Air Force sent a few planes over into Pakistan territory to bomb on the Pakistan side. Uh, the Pakistani uh, army or, or Air Force shot down, I think it was a MiG-21, an old Russian uh, uh, plane that the uh, Indians were flying. And since then, the tensions have been quite high with Pakistan. So even though there's been some cooperation in certain areas, which we won't go into another time, there's, there's a lot of friction um, between Imran Khan and Modi and India and Pakistan, unfortunately. This is a huge subject. I wanted to talk about two nuclear powers, but time's not against us. So hopefully, Suki, we can have you back and we can talk about if, if we last that long in terms of you know, <laughs> the, the nuclear, two nuclear powers having a go at each other. Sure. But Phil, can, can we move on to, well, let, 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 let's move on to story number two. Five in the eye. Well, for story number two this week, we're going to look at the coronavirus, but from a very particular angle, because you may have noticed that uh, in London last weekend, there was um, a demonstration, not huge, but there were maybe, uh, you know, a, a, a few thousand people involved in London, a bigger demonstration in Berlin, in Germany. Um, and essentially, this is a collection of people who seem to be sceptical about the whole 
COVID um, saga. And um, also um, people who perhaps have a rather weird assortment of complaints. Michael, you're, you're kind of gesturing to me like, I have to say, I'm sorry, if I, you, the word you're missing out there is nutters. I'm sorry, if I've, got okay, to get it I, in, I, I've got to get it in right now, up front. I'm sorry. Okay, Mike, I, I, was, I was set it, politely setting the scene before Michael interjected, but what you'll find is these nutters, no, sorry, these protesters, they have, um, they object to wearing masks, um, they, um, they object to vaccines, they, some of them think that Bill Gates is behind the coronavirus, um, we've we got a, the most motley collection of people, David Icke, um, you, you, you may remember the, 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 the guy who thinks the world's run by lizards. He's there alongside people with extreme right-wing ideologies. You've got the brother of Jeremy Corbyn, Piers Corbyn, a complete eccentric who, um, who, who's been fined £10,000 for helping to organise the thing. Um, what an extraordinary collection of people. What, Michael, what, 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 you know, I'm going to let you come in now. You, you got your nutters, your nutters reference in, but you probably want to no. embellish that a little bit, yeah? No, but, but do you know what I find so just... Let me be exhausting about this. This is happening in Germany as well. And you've got on the, on the, Germany's just a little bit further. You've got the imperialist German flag there, but a Nazi, but a right wing. But then when you look harder in, in, in Trafalgar Square, you've got the same kind of people. These fascist right wing, British first people. So there's a, there's a cocktail here, Phil, which is just, I find just quite sinister. Yes, okay, I call them nutters, you know, you know this anti-vaccine and Bill Gates and coronavirus. And, you know, they're flat earth as well. But then when you layer on this far right thing, you know, there's this Nazi thing, this fascist thing. This is not good, Phil. And it's not just in Britain. I say it's, it's in Germany. And I've not seen it in, 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 in France, but I cannot, I cannot believe it's not there. And the thing that really excuse my language, freaked me out. QAnon. Mm. These conspiracy people from America, these could totally, these, these just lunatics. Yeah, there was actually a poll. I bring, must, must, must bring Suki in a second, but we, there was a poll uh, just this week in America, which shows that this bizarre conspiracy theory, and you know, I'm not going to go in. It's so ridiculous. I'm not even going to go into it on air. But um, that that they um, that the majority of Republicans seem to give it some credibility, mm. uh, which is absolutely extraordinary. Suki, what what's your take on these people who take to the streets and? say they won't wear masks or they won't have vaccines and 5G is going to destroy us and all the rest of it. So I was looking at the number of people who have died due to coronavirus in the UK since this whole thing started. The numbers approximately 41,000 people. 41,000 people have died of coronavirus. Now, a certain percentage of them probably had underlying conditions or they had conditions that are, you know, basically it was driven further by coronavirus. But the point being, the question I would like to ask these people is, how do you think these people died? 41,000 people. If you don't want to wear masks, if, you, if you're an anti-vaxxer, if you think 5G, so here's the thing about 5G, right? It's just quite interesting. South Korea has the most advanced 5G infrastructure um, in the world. They are not dying in droves. So I can't see how they're making these links, these links between 5G. And there are certain specific doctors in the U US. That I've seen. So there's a, there's a documentary. I don't know if I should mention it, actually, but it's a documentary about this 
pandemic. And there, there are bona fide doctors who are making these claims and people are watching these documentaries and then going off on one. And these are the same people going to these kinds of marches. Mm -hmm. So we have a real problem here. You know, so for me, these people talk, I've done, I've, I've researched the science. Yeah. You know, I've seen all the YouTube videos. And I yeah. think that, that, that's their research. And this is their research contrasts with people who've given 20, 30 years of, re of real research with degrees yeah. and, and accolades. The, 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 this, is Michael, this is Michael Owajuru, degree in physics, Leeds University, 1960. <laughs> no, okay, you can knock it, Phil. You go, but okay, science is important. And no, the problem no, is I, it's I, about I, I what are the facts? What are the facts? I, I, I was slightly pulling your leg, Michael, but actually the fact is Michael does have a scientific qualification. Um, whereas, and the point he's making is that um, a lot of the people who claim to understand the so-called science of these conspiracy theories, they, they really know nothing. Um, and mm. they, are, they are just picking this stuff up from no, Phil, internet, chat, internet the, chat and YouTube, aren't they? No, no Phil, they're shopping around for things that reinforce their own beliefs. True. They, true. they go shopping. You know, 5G causes coronavirus. Hello? You know, bloke on the internet told me. Who is this exactly. bloke on the internet? And he's invariably a man, oh, most times American, in a white coat, talking to, you know, with glasses, talking to a camera. They need this metaphor, the glasses and the white coat, to prove that they're a scientist or a doctor. And what they're saying is completely bogus. But it mm. reinforces, pe people want to believe this. And I think, for me, I think there's a problem when... People don't want to believe big governments. They don't want the you know, government's in control, the mainstream media in control. I'm not in control. And Do people seem to have lost that, that, that kind of belief in terms of, as a society. And I'm gonna finish on this point. And what, what really brought it home to me was a little, a little quip, a line that says, imagine during the war, you said, well, I'm gonna leave my lights on, even though the government tells me it's blackout. I'm going to have my lights on here. It's fine, fine by that. So all you guys wearing the masks are exactly like those people during the, during the Second World War were leaving their lights on. Yeah. We're part of a community here. If we're going to survive, close the lights, close the curtains, put the mask on. Agreed. Absolutely agree. I mean, there's something um, worrying, though, about the way in which, you know, we've, we've pointed to the fact of far right involvement in this. And I, I think, you know, there are probably flaky people on the far left involved in it as well. But there is a, a, a sense in which um, it could, th th this kind of um, group of people who are looking for simplistic um, our solutions to really complex problems, are kind of a potential, um, you know, fodder for these extremist groups. And do you think that do you think the extremists see these people as a, as a recruiting ground, Suki, where they can maybe pick up people who are disaffected and convert them to the cause? Is that why the fascists are there? Do you know what I was thinking about? What is the red thread? What's that commonality along all amongst all these different people? And I think the only thing that I can come up with is that the fact that they feel that their liberties are being taken away. I think the fascists believe that. I think the anti-vaxxers believe that. Okay, well, um, we need to move on, I think, now to story number three. Five in the eye. And Suki, tell us about what we have in store for us in the world of neural transplants. So we've all heard of Elon Musk. 
and we know about his other companies. He's got a specific company called Neuralink, and this specific company is uh, created uh, a microchip. And essentially, they embedded that microchip into a pig called Gertrude, I think, last week. And it, it was, he kind of uh, showed it to the world. And essentially, the premise behind all this is that he wants to create this man-machine interface. And initially, I think, um, the objective seems fairly plausible in that what he wants to do is he wants to help people who may have certain cognitive issues like Parkinson's disease or dementia or people who've had um, you know, problems with their um, sp spinal cord. But this seems to be a sinister side that could develop with this, uh, which is that could we be actually be creating human beings with super cognitive powers in the future? And I don't mean next 15, 20 years. But is that a possibility? And I think in my mind that is. Now, I want to quickly talk, talk to you about Limitless, the film Limitless. I don't know if you saw it. Year, um, 2011, uh, it was essentially with Bradley Cooper. He was playing the uh, a, 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 a basically a, a gentleman who essentially was a loser in life. And what happened was he was given a pill and the pill gave him some great cognitive powers. Suddenly from a loser, he starts winning on the stock market. He basically is great at poker. He, he basically gets women throwing themselves at him. So in a similar sort of vein, what could happen if we had these microchips installed in our brains in the future that gave us this, this, this superpower? How would it change our society? And that's the kind of angle I was looking at it, looking at when yeah, I- Yeah, but I mean, you're, you're actually looking at it in the way that Elon Musk is looking at it because you know he, he's on record as saying that we're going to reach what, um, scientists and science fiction writers refer to as the singularity where um, artificial intelligence becomes more intelligent than us and he thinks that this tipping point is sooner than we think hmm. and that if it does happen we are potentially at a severe disadvantage <laughs> um, and, and and so his his contention isn't it is that if we can connect ourselves neurally to the web and to to limitless information and increasing power, we have a fighting chance of survival. Is this science fiction, Michael, or is it? Is no, it fact? Phil, Phil, let me let, let me put both of you on the spot here. You kept on referring to we. Who is we? Who is we implies there's a them and they. So who is we? Listen, guys, I think you missed something really fundamentally. Someone designs that chip. Puts into it, and okay. Let me just move ahead a bit here in my own argument. Microsoft didn't, uh, Apple deny this, but is there a kill button inside the iPhone? That there's a master button in Bill Gates' you know, his office. Is Bill Gates gone up his office? When he pushes this button, all the iPhones in the world, you know. So when you talk about these implants, who designed this implant? If nothing else, there's going to be an Easter egg in there, some kind of yeah, flippant yeah. thing. But at the same time, the thing that troubles me, there's going to be a control thing in there. There's going to be a kill thing. Mm. You know, so yes, we're all going to be better. But so here's the thing, Mike. Here's the thing, right? So Elon Musk has got this Starlink uh, constellation of satellites going out. These are, these are thousands of satellites, low-orbit satellites yeah. cover the Earth. They're covering the earth and it's providing broadband across the whole globe and people have chips in their heads and they're communicating <laughs> with this constellation. Seriously, 
this is another conspiracy kind of Thank thing. You. I'm starting it now. Let me, t- I, I will start this myself now. Elon Musk wants to control us all. He does. You know, now let me tell you, I'll be upfront. Forget Bill Gates and the vaccine. I'm sorry, this is real. If you're going to get me to put a chip in my head in the same way, and I don't know if there is, Apple deny it, but is there a kill button inside your iPhone? Probably. Can you probably. prove there isn't one? I'll tell you Wait, what. I'm uh, sorry, Phil. Well, I was going to just say, you know, encouraging, if let, let's say this technology became viable in years to come and you could have this chip inside you, how many people would volunteer for it? I mean, um, you, you know, <laughs> Suki, Suki stuck his hands up. Um, here's, here's the question. You've asked the question, Phil. So would you mm-hmm. have it? Uh, you wouldn't be an early adopter. Well, I wouldn't be an early adopter, but I'd probably want to try it out. Would you guys? No, no. I'm, I'm, for me, it's, it's, it's this kill button. This kill. This out. Okay, forget the Easter eggs. You know, you know, computer programmers haven't been a fun with us. But more importantly, who controls this thing? But I mean, you know, more fundamental. Let, let's leaving aside the control issue, um, and whether there's a kill button, as Michael says. I mean, are human beings equipped to deal with the kind of information that would be coming into this this input? I mean, we if we're in completely uncharted territory, aren't we? If I'm going to be told that somehow I'm going to be competing with computers, um, that's not an experience I've ever had in the past. And ha- who's to say, who's to say human beings are capable of dealing with it? I'll let you know when I get it implanted. <laughs> <laughs> okay, just to, uh, uh, this is a big subject for me. The human brain is huge. There's you know, look at some of the savants, some of the things they do. They're capable of. There's one, um, Stephen Derbyshire, Wilshire, forgive me, his name's not going to He could fly over a city like New York, fly over it once, then go into a room, and then he could draw the whole of New York. It was in his head. Ding, mm. it was in his head. So we're capable of absorbing vast amounts of information and getting it out there. So it's there. So maybe if we find ways of using, using the human brain better, more efficiently, my concern is who's actually behind this? You know, who watches the watchmaker? You know, that, that's... It's a very valid question. And you know what, Michael? I'm just excited about this. My, it's, it's basically got my imagination, really. Where, where can we take the human race? I mean, the good, the, the good news is that Gertrude has just messaged me and she says she's fine with the implant. So that's obviously a good sign. There you go. That's good. Live in the eye. Story number four this week, flying cars. Michael, tell us about this i mean the the world of chitty chitty bang bang looms because in japan they've been testing out a flying vehicle and (laughs) um you know it ties in perhaps with the idea of drones delivering our groceries from amazon and so are we going to be living in a world michael soon where um there are lots of flying vehicles hovering around over our heads this story just is beyond me when I go outside my house now, you know, apart from the occasional bit of bird do on my head, I'm happy to walk out in the streets. But if you've got these cars flying about, Amazon delivering to next door, this is, I'm sorry, I'm being old school here, Phil. This is not going to work. You've got flight control for Abbey Wood. <laughs> so you're, you know, you're allowed to land and take off. This just, you know, I, I'm, I'm sorry, I just... I love science. I love are, you, are you worried that they're going to get away and you're uh, getting in the way of your helipad in Abbey Wood? Is that a no, problem? No, no, okay. 
you, you, you say that, but then the elites will have helipads for the Amazon to launch, for their car to take off. But we poor people, we can't afford a helipad. We can't get it. You know, so we got, so we got deliveries. We got no car, and we, we can't go because these things are kind of attacking us from the. No, this is stop. Well, imagine Suki, would you would you um, consider driving a flying car? Bill, if I said I'll have an implant, what do you think, buddy? Seriously. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought I thought you might be up for it. I, could, I mean, I, I mean, it could be. It could be, of course, that in the future you'd control it through your implant. You wouldn't have to do any driving or any flying. You'd just think it, wouldn't you? And and, and it would happen. Well, I sort of. I say, you wouldn't it's... think it. The controller would think it. Elon Musk. Yeah. The, Elon Musk says where you're going today. Come on, Suki. You can't. You can't accept this. Rage against the machine. No. See, my my. I'm taking this conversation in a different direction. So when I looked at the video of this of this vehicle, it's got eight propellers, right? Four on the front, I think. Four on the back. It looked really kind of Heath Robinson to me, but it did fly. It flew for about a minute. They're going to make it fly about ten miles per hour. They said they're going to make it fly faster, forty miles per hour. But imagine this, guys. Right. <laughs> We've set an evening out together, all three of us. I get picked up in my Sky car, right? My Uber Sky car, which I've basically uh, brought to my house using my app. It flies over South Bucks into London and picks you fine gentlemen up in your black ties and your suits. And we all three of us fly over together towards the Shard, land outside the Shard, go to the 60th floor and have a smashing meal. Imagine that. But I'm going to say, you know, Suki, there's so many ands you've got there. You know, I'm sorry. The whole thing, oh, this, don't get, I Life love. about experiences, Michael. It's about experiences. No, no, you're, no, don't, I love the idea. But there's going to be 5,000 other people going to the shard that night. What's the air traffic control? And what about Amazon deliveries? You know, come on. Look, 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 at, the M, look at the M25 today. Put the M25 in the air. Come on, this, I, I, I'm, I'm thinking if we were following tr true shitty shitty bang bang principles, uh, you'd be driving along the M25 and there'd be a bit of a jam ahead at Junction 11. So what you'd do is you'd, you'd, you'd take off and you'd, you'd head off over the jam, wouldn't you? You would, Phil. I would. I'd be, I, 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 I've got the guts. But, but Suki is above us all. He's flying no, up I... there. With his, his, in fact, his implant has told him this is where to go immediately now. Exactly. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That, that, that's a dystopian future. Is it? Do you know what I think we have within our capabilities of uh, finding solutions to any problem? Whether it's air traffic control problems that we're having with, you know, drones and flying cars or anything else. So I just see a positive future. No, sorry, but, but you guys in Beaconsfield, you, you'll have your drone pads on your, in your lawn, on, your, on the top of your roof. Have you but seen my garden? <laughs> in the eye story number five this week is a very special candle um, it's called the london scented candle it's been created by tom dixon it's available from selfridges for 450 pounds a snip um, it smells of the river thames apparently um, and uh, what better what better odor can you imagine wafting round our towers michael than <laughs> Than the Thames at Dagenham. You know, Phil, this is one of those stories. You, you're winding me up here. When you told me, 450 quid for a candle that smells like the Thames. This is just, <laughs> but it's true. People are trying to sell this in Selfridges. Okay, it's a posh looking candle with a, a marble top. You know, 
if I step back and say, there's probably something in that because smells can be soothing. They can be relaxing. They can kind of take you into that space where you're chilled. But the Thames, <laughs> so, you know, I'm, I'm troubled here. Yeah, I mean, if, if, if the Thames has a smell, it, it wouldn't be a pleasant one. I mean, if you're close enough to the Thames that you can, you can smell something, then my suspicion is that it wouldn't be a fragrance that you'd want to bring into your home. Isn't that right, Suki? Would you have it in, 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 in sunny Beaconsfield? Number one, no, I wouldn't because of the smell, right? Number two, <laughs> £450. Seriously, I think people have got too much money on, on their hands, haven't they? Um, you could actually go out with four hundred fifty pounds and maybe feed a whole bunch of people, right? Ooh, Think of that. Yeah. Bring it up. Good point. Good point. Good point. But you know, I think Michael would use it to go on a bender in Amsterdam, maybe. Yeah, that four hundred fifty quid. But <laughs> yeah, you. Yeah, but, Su but Suki would. Uh, Suki would do good with it. But someone else would go. Someone else would go out and spend it on a candle. <laughs> crazy. Funny. I mean, I like coconut, so I'd buy coconut candles. Well, they're, they're, they're mm. probably cheap. The coconuts will get easy to replicate, but you know you, you can buy, you can commission smells now. You can go to them and get me the smell, get me the smell of snow. You can buy the smell of snow. You can buy the smell of, of new mown grass. Oh, that'd be nice. In some ways, uh, let me be upfront here, guys. If someone tells you that's the smell of new of, of snow or that's the smell of grass, then already your cognitive thing your cognitive your brain is clicked into it and particularly if you've got that implant you kind of someone's tapping away now smells snow you know i'm not fully i'm not convinced these things do smell of the thames do smell of snow because you've been told of it you're, you're looking for it your brain is kind of preconditioned you know you yeah i can smell that yeah, yeah oh yeah that's got an interesting flavor that's just down river from putney mm. <laughs> The, the posh end. I wonder what the Teddington and, and Twickenham smells like. Beautiful. Yeah, I mean, that would be a, that'd be a better class of smell. <laughs> Incidentally, just before we leave candles, I, I do get ads on Facebook for celebrity prayer candles. And it's kind of like a, a candle with pictures of, you know, Dolly Parton or Cher or something on them. And I'm supposed to buy them. I don't know quite why. And I don't know why I'm being targeted. Why do you think I'd be targeted with these, Michael? Well, let me tell you, Phil, I'm targeted for... Um... For insurance for over 60s, I'm mean, talking for cheap burials. You just got the profile filled. You've filled out too many, you've been on too many websites with the right profile. You know, the one I love is dating for the over 60s. I get embarrassed and my partner says, what's this all about? You know, and I've done nothing. Honestly, a man of your, your means, uh, a man of your means, Michael, getting cheap burials. I'm very shocked. <laughs> Cost effect. What about Zuki? You, you probably get, you probably get no, um, what about children? Looking after children. Children that's, you know, do you get adverts that help you kind of make your life better? You I think the last advert I saw, Michael, was for Saga. And uh, seriously, I kind of thought to myself, really, have I got to that stage in my life? You've been going to the wrong websites. Your profile is just all messed up there. It is. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> we need to get better profiles, guys. Better profiles. Five in the eye. Well, that's it for show 0271, the Twin Twime show. We're blowing out the candles and won't be relighting it until... Oh, I love your writing, that's beautiful. Blowing out the candles and relighting it until the, the same time next week. Thanks, and I want to thank so much for my old, a good old friend of mine, Suki, for joining us today. It's been a blast. It's been fantastic. Thank you very much for having me on the show. And for now, this is Suki Singh and Beckinsville signing off and wishing you a great week ahead. And hopefully you'll have me back sometime in the future. 
Thanks, Suki. I'm sure we will. And if you've heard us discuss something that you want to comment on, please do get in touch with the show by checking out our Facebook page. We always love to hear your comments and observations. For now, though, this is Phil Woodford saying goodbye for another week. And this is me, Michael Ojuri, saying, as always, if you have been, thanks for listening. That's five in the eye, five in the eye wrapped up for the week. Goodbye and hope to see you soon. Bye. Five in the Eye with Michael and Phil. It's news, but is it new?